No matter who you are, things in your life probably aren't going as expected, whatever that means. But the things you are doing right now, no matter what they are, that's your life. It's not a plan B. I'm your host, Madeline Mortensen, and you're listening to This Is Not A Backup Plan. Good morning and welcome to March Sisters Madness. This is the first episode of a series of four very special episodes that I'll be sharing with you this month celebrating little women. This is a departure from my regular content. It's just something that I wanted to try out for fun and so I hope you enjoy it. If this isn't your cup of tea, come back in April and it'll be the same content you're used to getting. And if you're new and you enjoy the Smart Sisters content, I hope you'll stick around and I hope you'll try out some of my other episodes. I think there's a lot of things that you'll find interesting. I have some episodes about using writing as a way to process growing up and becoming an adult. I have an episode with an author where she shares her experience writing a memoir. There's lots of good content in here that I think if you are a Little Women fan that you may also find a appealing. So my idea for March Sisters Madness came when I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts last March, and one of the hosts made a comment about how it's unfortunate that March Madness is not related to Little Women at all, which as someone who loves Little Women and like could take or leave basketball, that really resonated with me. That podcast was the Dolls of Our Lives podcast, formerly the American Girl podcast, and the hosts Allison and Mary are rereading the American Girl series book by book. I love the new things I've been learning about something that meant so much to me as a child, and I also love exploring it as an adult, and I also love the other pop culture conversations that Mary and Allison have. My guest this week is Allison Horrocks of the Dolls of Our Lives podcast. She was so gracious to take her time to talk with me about her connection to Little Women, her connection to Beth March. And we also had some fun talking about how we thought the Little Women would connect with the American Girls Collection. If you're wanting to participate in March Madness beyond listening to the podcast, the best place to go is the Instagram account for the podcast at Not A Backup Plan. On the Instagram account, you can find a reading calendar to read Little Women throughout the month of March. It also has some activities and some movies to watch on the weekend. I tried to create it with grace in mind. There's not a reading portion every day, so if you need to catch up, it should be super easy. And you can also listen to it if that helps you get through the book, I think it should be pretty doable to finish it in a month. I've been having so much fun revisiting the story. It's so interesting to see like the little details that I forgot. And I I love visiting Orchard House and being in the March Sisters world. So I've been having a lot of fun and I hope you are too. And I would love to see the copy you're reading or any of the activities that you're doing. Please share those on social media and tag me so that I can see what you are up to. I think this conversation with Allison is like the perfect way to kick off March Sisters Madness, and I think you are going to enjoy it so much. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. I'm really excited to chat with you. Will you start out by introducing yourself? Absolutely. So my name is Allison Horrocks. I am a public historian, and I am also co-host of a podcast called Dolls of Our Lives, formerly the American Girls Podcast. The American Girls Podcast is how I found you. I found it probably about a year ago, and I just went back and listened to everything because it was such a wonderful 
and thoughtful way to look at something that had mattered to me so much growing up. Oh, that's so awesome. Thank you for being a listener. So I will say, I think what I love so much about your podcast is it takes something that was created for children so seriously. I feel like as a girl, my interests have never been taken very seriously. Like my brother loves sports and that's always been taken so seriously, like a love of sports, but loving like dolls and like books about like girls in the past is like, that's a cute hobby for a child. So to listen to historians, like read these texts and like look at them as texts and like, what do they say? And like, what influenced them from the time they were being written? And not only the time that they reflect is really just wonderful and refreshing and so meaningful. Thank you. That is really kind to hear. And I think part of it too, is creating a space for people who love these things and don't have something like a Comic-Con, right? Or they don't have a March Madness, or they don't have like a big creative outlet to talk about these things. And it also makes you reflective about something you love that maybe you like a little bit less and that's okay too. <laughs> so you mentioned March Madness and the idea for the little March Sisters Madness and putting together came from an offhanded comment that I think you made <laughs> in March in a podcast episode. You said it's March Madness, which is like, unfortunately, not about the March <laughs> Sisters. No, but it should be. And I like related to that so deeply. I was like, this really is unfortunate. Like March Madness would be greatly improved in my mind if it was about the March sisters. So I've been thinking about what would it look like to have something in March that was dedicated to the March sisters. And so that's what I've been putting together. So I'm very excited that you get to be a part of chatting about that with me. I love it. And I hope that I can bring some Beth representation to your project. That's a hope of mine. So that was actually where I wanted to start out with was like, you identify as a Beth, which I think is less common. And so I would love to know what is it about Beth that like you connect with? Why is she the sister that you're like, this is who I am? So I will start by saying my middle name is Beth and I was named by my sister. My brother and sister had already been around for a minute when I was born. And so they each were given an opportunity that they could pick a name. And then one of those names would get picked as like my actual name. So my sister was nine years old when she named me. And I'm very lucky because I love the name that she picked. So I am Allison Beth. And part of the inspiration from that was coming from a family that loves little women. And so that was like the seed planted that started me loving Beth March. I first really got to know the little women's story through the movie. So through the 1990s film which was a favorite of my sister's and a favorite of mine. And I then read a children's version of the book and then the full edition of Little Women, always connected to Beth as aspirational. I think she is so kind and so gentle and she loves her family very deeply. And I also am just have not been drawn to Joe, which I think Joe is the most common answer. Meg, I didn't really feel drawn to her. Amy, of course, is like very polarizing. And I think a lot of people do link up with Amy, but Beth just always made the most sense to me. That's really beautiful. It's really sweet knowing that like your sister, like that was a name she picked because I just think about I, the 1994 movie was like my first introduction to the story. I read lots of children's version. When I was 11, I saw the musical 
like one of the local theaters did it. And so I'm thinking of the musical that like Sutton Foster originally plays Joe. And there's just a really beautiful song that's really heartbreaking between Joe and Beth. And Joe starts out, I don't know if you're familiar with this. She says, when you were first born, not an hour old, I told Marmy, Beth is mine. Everyone has someone special in the world. And I have you, my dear sweet Beth. And so to think of an older sister picking the name Beth for a younger sister is very like tender to me when I think about Joe and best relationship. That is very similar to one of my favorite photos of myself is I'm like, I don't even think a week old and my sister is sitting on the couch and she is holding me and I look like a baby doll (laughs) that she is holding onto. And I love that picture. And I think there is something very special about a younger sister, older sister relationship, especially when there is a bit of that age gap, right? That there is something different about a sibling who's older, who really takes you on as their own. I will say, I think the Beth in the Greta Gerwig adaptation of Little Women is very different from the Beth of the 1994 film version played by Claire Danes, and also a bit different from the book version, like canon Beth. To me, Claire Danes' Beth is Beth. Like that is where that character lands for me, which is maybe not most in line with like people who are fans of Louisa May Alcott, but that representation feels the most true to my understanding of the character. Tell me a little bit what it is about that representation that feels the most true for you. Beth loves dolls, right? And I think that there are different ways to play that. And obviously I have a big interest in that as a lifelong doll lover. I think that Beth's death is the emotional center of the film for me. I think that changed between 1994 and the more recent adaptation where, of course, like Joe's journey into becoming an author is very important. The family grappling with war and like loss of different people. But to me, like Beth's death is rightly like the moment, the climax of the 1994 film. And I think that her loss is what changes people the most in that version. She also, I think, has a kind of quiet confidence that I really admire. Beth doesn't have to be the center of attention, but she is so kind and gracious and caring. I think it's very easy from like a further perspective away or from a different version to roll your eyes at Beth, right? Like I think that there was something kind of like quirky and less endearing about the most recent version in the Gerwig. And at a few points I thought, oh, I might have to change my change my idea of this character. But perhaps I should say like 1994 Beth is my favorite, if not the most true to anything. And I also also think that that's valid, right? Like you can have a favorite version of a character and, and no one can contest your favorite. I think with a story like Little Women, like the sisters have been reimagined so many times that at this point, like truly the book is like public property. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe not, that's not the right way to say it, but like you can Google Little Women and you can read all of Little Women. Like it belongs to us collectively like it's been around for so long and so I think it makes a lot of sense to say like these characters have been reimagined so many times that you can have your favorite that makes sense like the version that feels the truest and most resonant to you I also think Louisa May Alcott had such a strange relationship with her own creation, right? That it really wasn't what she wanted to be doing for a period of time as a writer. And I think in some ways that makes the power and the lasting 
capacity of little women to still touch people even more amazing because it really wasn't like truly like the depths of her heart to want to write little women yet she created something that a lot of people over a hundred plus years later still really care about and I think a lot of times we imagine like this thing that I care about the most is going to be what resonates the most with the world and Louisa May Alcott was not setting out to make this template for girlhood and that's sort of what she did I think that's a really, really good point. It's interesting to think like what you'll spend your life doing, what might resonate the most. And Little Women is not what she was expecting if she was going to be remembered that was going to be like the project. No, and she is a real person. She's a person who lived in a place and time and had, in a lot of ways, a very challenging childhood and different challenges that came her way in adulthood. And so to think, you know, she is sort of Joe March, but she is also not Joe March. I find being in her house, Orchard House, which is a museum, to be a really cool and special experience. I think a lot like Emily Dickinson, we're never going to really get to exactly who she was. So I think we can make our own best sense of her characters and congratulate her for being a woman author in a time when that was very difficult. That's about as good as we're going to get, I think, with understanding Louisa May Alcott. So backtracking a little bit, have yeah. you watched the three-hour PBS Little Women that came out like in 2018, I think? I believe I started it and I did not finish it. And I honestly cannot recall why. I think maybe I was feeling still just too loyal to 1994 Little Women. So I would be so interested. It's been so long since I've watched it. I need to rewatch it. It's like a very big investment, but I remember watching it. And as someone who's always really resonated with Joe and really resonated with Wona Ryder's Joe, I remember watching it and being like, oh, I understand Beth as a person more because I think Beth gets shorted in a lot of adaptations of it because there's so much happening. And you, I think for adaptations to work, people are like, we really need to develop Joe and we really need to develop Amy. And so like Meg does get a little bit more development and then Beth, because she's <laughs> at home, does not get development. And when I watched that one, because it was three hours I think we like actually saw Beth like making the slippers for Mr. Mm -hmm. Lawrence. And we like saw Beth in the kitchen with Marmee. Like we saw Beth playing the piano more in her sphere. And it made me see like, oh, like it's very unfair to Beth that I haven't imagined like her world being as rich as I've imagined like the other sisters worlds being. And that's also a very fair assessment in the sense that Beth's life is cut short. We have these central moments for each character in a lot of ways, Marmy's journey is about learning to like truly be independent and run a household of women. And she always had that capability, but doing it during the middle of a war. Joe, it's about becoming an author and learning how she wants to be an independent woman and possibly also a wife or possibly not. Amy falls in love. Amy has this kind of huge character arc of coming to understand herself as a woman. And Beth dies. It really is like a very different kind of trajectory from all of the other characters. To me, that's also why it packs such a big punch because that's part of life, right? Like part of life is the people that don't get to come with us that are left behind. The most powerful moment in the film to me is when Beth says, you're all going away. 
moment. And she feels like she is left behind at the home in Massachusetts. And that to me is just like very powerful and makes her death all the more meaningful. Have you read the Guernsey Literary and Potato Pill Pie Society? No, I have heard that I would like it very much, but I have not read it. Okay, so I will not spoil this, but in this book, there's a character who's not physically present for a lot of the story, and her existence is still very pivotal to the story, which is something that I find like very poignant. And I think the same happens in Little Woman, that Beth does not get to complete the story with the rest of the sisters, mm-hmm. but she's still a very poignant influence, and she still is like an active part of their lives in the way that like when someone is a part of your family and when their memory becomes a part of your story, that's plays like a very significant role like it is Beth that really helps Joe like write her book like this connection with her sister that is still very poignant and real for Joe even though her sister's physical presence has left their home there's things about Beth that I also just like I did as a child like I played piano I also put outfits on my cats I loved playing with dolls I liked all of those things I loved cozying up underneath a quilt And I think part of what was attractive to me as a character was she was so good. And I think that is also what kind of makes her less real for people or more of a caricature at times because she goes out to the Hummels. She wants to help other people. And she seems kind of more of like an angel than a person. But that was very attractive to me. I thought to really, truly be a good model of charity was a good life lesson. And that's part of what drew me to her character. I wish I was as good as Beth without the scarlet fever. I think that's really beautiful. So you've mentioned the dolls a few times. You have a podcast that talks about (laughs) dolls. I think it would be really fun to talk about if the March sisters had an American Girl doll, like which doll do you think each sister would have? I think right out the gate, Joe's dolls are not faring well. I think there were a lot of haircuts. I think the dolls are in like really rough condition. I think that she gets a Felicity when she's aged out a little bit, but she's given us Samantha just by virtue of chronology. And I think that Meg and possibly Amy, Amy's definitely a Samantha, but she has to have her own. She doesn't want to borrow someone else's. I think that I'd like to imagine Beth having a Molly, but I actually think she's a Kirsten. I think she's a very strong Kirsten doll character. I think that Meg being the oldest would probably be very drawn to like one of the first three, either a Kirsten or a Felicity. But I think her heart is really more with a Caroline, like a person who really loves their family and is very loyal and also underappreciated. Like Caroline, who is the War of 1812 character, very much forgotten, like not an American girl that gets a lot of play. I could see Joe having this like totally chaotic trunk of accessories that are not cared for very well. But I think she also would appreciate that all of the characters have books where they learn lessons. Like I think she'd be very drawn to the saga of Addie and really take a lot from those characters. But she would not take good care of her dolls, not like Beth. No, absolutely not. (laughs) I could see like... Joe resonating with a Kit doll as well. Like I could see Joe really resonating with Kit. You haven't gotten to this book in the podcast yet. Like by the time this comes out, you will have. But like book five, I think is when Kit like goes on her hobo adventure. Like I think Joe would really resonate with that. 
I just read that book last week. We just recorded that episode. And so you're right, that will come out by the time that we're discussing this. Kit wants to be a writer, and that's like very closely aligned. I think a lot of factors that about are central to Kit's character are actually based on Joe March, the way that she takes to the attic and she writes her newspaper, right? Very similar to the Pickwick papers, the way that she loves performance and adventure and has like very close male friends who are a big part of her life. When she puts on like the newsy type cap and goes on the adventure, like that is exactly Joe March type behavior. I will also say I love the character of Kit Kittredge. Like I didn't grow up with her at all, but I love reading her and I can totally see why she has the following that she does. I hadn't even thought of that, but even like the relationship with Kit and Sterling has very like strong Joe and Laurie connections. And I love a book where boys and girls and all different, like just children have relationships and there isn't this kind of like false early application of like, and they like each other, right? Or, oh, he's doing this to her because he has a crush on her. I think there's some vibes of that in say the Samantha book in a few of the different characters. She and Sterling just have a really cool relationship as children. And she also has the close confidant in the form of Ruthie, who I think very much has Meg vibes. And I appreciate that very much as good role modeling for children. I love that. I love Beth like as a Kirsten, I also was thinking Beth and Josefina yes. um, have some strong parallels. I think you talked about this when you talked about the Josefina books, and I never caught on this before, but Josefina has just strong little women vibes. And I think of all the sisters, Beth and Josefina really seem to um, be kindred spirits in how they operate in the world. You are so right. I think Beth would be drawn to a Kirsten doll, but I think that she is very much a Josefina. There is an aunt of kind of a dubious nature in both books in the form of Tia Dolores and Great Aunt March in the Little Women books. Josefina's stories, I will say, were not particularly memorable for me going into adulthood. I remembered a few things And then rereading them as an adult found that they were so multi-layered and found that so many different aspects of them, whether it be the way that she navigates shame or family relationships, missing a parent, in her case, it's her mother, that really stayed with people through all of the years. Josefina is extremely sensitive, which I think is like probably her closest tie to Beth March. And I think like Josefina... I feel like I did not really resonate with her as a child because she's a quieter girl. And I think like rereading it as an adult, like just realizing like the beauty in Josefina's quietness, like what she was trying to do to bring like light into a really dark time in her family and to connect with a character that was no longer present is something that feels very Beth. Like Beth is trying to like be good and to connect these people in her lives in different ways. Having a really good friend is such a central part of the American Girl stories and a lot of what was taught to children in the 80s, 90s, 2000s. What's striking about Josefina is she does have a friend, but it's tangential. She befriends a girl named Mariana, and she also sort of befriends a trader named Patrick O'Toole. Josefina's friendships are not really at the center of her life. It's her family and especially her sisters and her father and her aunt who becomes her mother. 
And I think that's very much like little women, right? Like this little household, this little world. I don't recall that Beth has friends. I don't either. Not to be too dark. Like I think (laughs) and I think something that is fascinating about her is like her house is her world. Like she loves being home. She loves helping people. She loves her cats and her dolls. But one thing that I think really was hit upon harder in the Greta Gerwig little women, like is that Beth's world is small, right? And you can choose to think of that as small and intimate or beautiful or limited. And especially compared to Joe or Lori or Amy, her world never really gets bigger. I think that like you can, like you said, like you can choose to think of it either way. And I think like in fairness to Beth to honor both of those things, like I think Beth did have like aspirations that maybe the audience never saw, but just because she didn't fulfill them didn't mean that the space she was in wasn't significant. Yeah. And I'm, you are meant to be rooting in a lot of ways for the character who is the mirror of the author, Joe March. I think in a lot of ways, like you're meant to be rooting for her. I've mentioned this before, but a friend found out that there was a set sale of things from the Little Women, Greta Gerwig version in Worcester, Massachusetts, which was at the time like a half an hour from where I was living. And I walked in, I started talking to the woman coordinating the sale. And I was like, if Beth March touched it or died near it, I want to buy it today. She was like, follow me. So I own Beth's pianoforte from the movie. I love that. That is beautiful. Thank you. I also own some pillows and other like accessories and random things that were used in the film, including the hair curler, right? Like the hair curler that gets stuck. But having a piece of that like cultural story, like having a piece of that, because I do really love that film, but I don't think that Beth was the hottest thing, right? Like people weren't coming in and saying, show me anything connected to Beth and that particular actor. People wanted things tied to Florence Pugh or Shorty Ronan, not so much Beth. On the dolls, I was thinking a lot about Amy because I think she would like resonate with Samantha. Like she'd want the pretty things. I also could see her really liking Cecil Ray. Like Cecil Ray has a very beautiful, very glamorous life. Like she is surrounded by beautiful things and beautiful people. She does very interesting things though in an interesting city. She speaks French. I could just see that really being a doll that Amy would see as like aspirational and also maybe even see characteristics of herself. That's a great connection. I think she would have absolutely loved to read those books to learn also about the world of Mari Grace. But I think to your point, Cecile Ray has a lot more confidence and she has a lot more kind of self-assurance about being an artist. And I think that would have been very attractive to Amy. One of the more fascinating things I think has been the redemption of Amy. Because to me, for all of the 90s and 2000s, Amy was beyond redemption, right? Burning the manuscript, the things that she does. And even for me, marrying Theodore Lawrence is beyond redemption. I think the power of Florence Pugh, I changed my mind. And I was not expecting that because for me, Amy was never going to be a redeemed character. And I was very surprised to get on her side. I think the two things that stand up in my mind so strongly in the Greta Gerwig version is that she changed Joe's love story to a love story with her book, not a yes. love story with 
a man. And I think that's like just very beautiful in a world that says romance is like the pinnacle for women. And then I was not expecting to completely reimagine how I felt about Amy and Amy's ambition. And I think Greta Gerwig celebrated Amy's ambition in a way that it's been shamed for generations. And I think that's also very like powerful for women to have Amy's ambition framed the way that it was framed. You also feel with that kind of snapshot of Little Women, I think Amy was always destined to be the one to be in Paris. Amy was always the one who was suited to life in France. And I think a great depiction of Aunt March is essential to that, like a solid marmy, a great Aunt March. Having a sense that it was never going to be Joe is still heartbreaking. But Little Women is also a film about not always getting what you want. And to think of the way that Amy and Lori have to fight with each other or fight for each other. I don't know how many times people I know reference the line where she says, don't be mean. Right. And it's so vulnerable and so unexpected from Amy. Whereas if Beth said that, I think it would be just typical of her character. I love that. So in wrapping up, I would love to know, let's pretend that the little women like live in the 20th century. Let's pretend they're like early 30s, late 20s. Let's <laughs> pretend that Beth got to be in her late 20s, early 30s. Yay! And what are some things that you think that they would be into or really interested in like pop culture or current events wise? I do think that Beth would listen to podcasts, whereas Joe would have a podcast, right? So I think that would be a fundamental difference between them. I think that Joe would have already been through the ringer of lots of jobs, including like a bad internship at BuzzFeed. And I think that Joe March would have a very successful Substack. I think that she would be writing all the time and have a really big, really interesting audience. I think that Meg would have to have a job. She would probably be in the nonprofit sector to be able to raise children with John Brooke. I think she would stay close to home. And I think Marmy would probably also be in the nonprofit sector. I like to believe that Beth lives with a singular prescription from CVS but that she lives changed by an experience of having some kind of illness. I think that Beth has a modest but cool following on Bookstagram. Beth is like sought after for her book recommendations. I think that she works part-time in a bookshop and then walks cats the rest of the time. I think Amy still marries very rich and Amy ends up in New York City, like a lot of the characters kind of flirt with. I think that she dates a lot of tech bros who are very bad to her and then ends up with a neighbor, just like in the books. But I think she's a very successful artist and like a powerful woman in her own way. I was thinking like with Beth, I'm seeing so much, especially as I've re-entered the American girl space, like so many like DIY small business, like doll repair who are like restoring those dolls. I could see Beth like being into that. She's like, I know how to fix the loose limbs on your doll. I know how to restore (laughs) that wig. I can help you out. I could see Beth like having a handle on that. I think Beth would actually have a lot more opportunity to be happy because I think at her core, Beth is an introvert. And I think people today have a much better understanding of what it means to be an introvert and celebrating the qualities of people who lead from the sidelines, who are different. I think that Joe's life could actually be remarkably similar to what it would have been in the 1860s. 
I think too with Beth, I'm just thinking about like on TikTok and Instagram, I'm seeing a little bit more of like people who are talking about like slow living influencers. And I could see that like if Beth dabbled in TikTok, that like she would be like very into the like slow living. Like we're going to walk through the cute leaves to the bookstore and I'm going to drink my tea while I like put this inventory in and like there's no rush. I think that she definitely makes videos for friends and family. Like she's all about the close friends on Instagram and they are very slow and very atmospheric and very beautiful. I do think that Amy has a bunch of merch influencer deals. Like Amy uses her power and her status to get deals for the family. And she's constantly sending like free merch bundles to Beth and Meg. I love that. I think if Amy had like a TikTok or an Instagram, like she would have like great outfits of the day. Like, and she would know where the fun new restaurant was. And she would like the trend that like is so cute and so pretty, but you just know you won't be able to pull off in your house (laughs) because you just don't have the grace and the charm that Amy March has. I think part of my interest in TikTokers like Victoria Paris is that same kind of interest in someone like an Amy March of you don't really know what they're going to do next. It might be strange. It might be compelling. It might be artistic, but watching her put together an apartment as a 23, 24 year old influencer riveting. Like I think Amy March could do the same kind of thing and also use some of her older sister's press contacts that she got through like hard work and internships to launch herself into that space. I could totally see it. I really think that tension between Amy and Joe in like our modern world would be that Joe was like, I was doing this before there was Instagram. Like (laughs) I built my contacts this way. And Amy's like, hey, I have it. It's a resource. Like there's nothing wrong with using a resource. No, Amy goes viral very quickly. And I think Joe is bitter about it. Marmy doesn't even have a Facebook. Uh, Yes. Yes. I think you're right. Is there anything else that you've wanted to share that's come to mind as we've been chatting? No, it's always a pleasure to talk about Little Women. Thank you so much for inviting me to talk about one of my favorite characters in fiction. I love hearing for people. So if they want to connect with me, I'm at Allison Horrocks on Twitter and Instagram. Pretty easy to find on both of those places and always eager to discuss Beth March. Thank you so much, Allison. It's been so fun to chat with you. Thank you. Thank you so much to Allison for her time. And thank you so much to you for listening. I am so glad that you are a part of this community. Please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. It helps me so much with sharing this content with other people. You can find me on social media. I'm on Twitter at Madeline K. You can also find me on Instagram at Not a Backup Plan. Please share your March Sister Madness activities with me. I want to see what you're up to and I can't wait to see what your March is like. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad that you come back every week. And remember, this is your life. It's not a plan B. Bye.